Kobe Covington loses. Brandon Staley gets fired. Ja Morant is about to return to the NBA. And Des Bryant still making news. Special edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this special edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. As usual, I'm coming at you at the very least three times a week over the digital airwaves of YouTube. I'm here in my home studio thanks to my official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official studio sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show. By the way, before I get into the show, as always, I'm going to take a moment to show my love and appreciation to all of my followers and subscribers. We continue to grow and climb and have now exceeded in excess of 431,000 followers in the first eight months. Can't thank y'all enough for all the love. Please keep Keep it coming and you know I'm going to keep on coming. Please continue to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Just click the bell to get notified of all of our new content. While you're all uh, out there doing that, please don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. Just go to straightshooterbook.com to get yourself a copy. It'll make for the perfect Christmas gift. And while I normally take calls, which is at 888-SAS-5303, that's 888-727-5303, I'm not going to do so today. I'm going to limit it to your tweets because I got a football Sunday to focus on. I just wanted to take a, a, a time to do a special edition because obviously I only did two shows this week and I always promise y'all at least three. And I wanted to make sure that I got this in. First order of business is that last night, Saturday night to be exact, Leon Edwards defeated Colby Covington via unanimous decision. 49-46 on all three official scorecards in the main event of 296, UFC 296 on Saturday night. With the victory, Edwards successfully defended his UFC welterweight title for a second time. Uh, It was a fairly one-sided fight, to be quite honest with you. Covington unable to push the pace as he normally would, and Edwards picking him apart from the outside with kicks to the right legs and what have you. But that's not what this, this, this particular subject is is about. We understand that Edwards won. He was the superior fighter. Uh, He outclassed Covington. Covington, again, couldn't dictate pace, couldn't use his grappling and his wrestling uh, uh, prowess to really handle James uh, Leon Edwards. That's the way it goes, and we understand that, but that's not what made news. What made news was what transpired at Thursday's pre-fight news conference when tensions boiled because Covington said he would take Edwards to the seventh layer of hell. Look at what happened here. You're so fucking stupid. On Saturday night, I'm going to bring you to a place you never want to be. I'm going to bring you to the seventh layer of hair. Hell. Okay. No, I'm bringing you to seventh layer of hell. You, we'll, we'll, we'll say what's up to your dad while we're there. Oh. Now, obviously, you saw Edwards threw a full water bottle at Covington while both were on the dais, and the two had to be separated. Um, For those of you who may not know, Leon Edwards' father was murdered when Edwards was just 13 years old. So Covington bringing that up, uh, I know a lot of people like, damn, that's pretty low. Uh, Edwards himself said he had cried after Thursday's news conference in rage and that it took a lot for him to calm down. He said, quote, this fight was very emotional for me. This guy used my dad's death as entertainment. Obviously, Edwards had the support of UFC President Dana White, uh, who said he thought Covington, who's 35 years of age now, looked slow and old and that he wasn't a fan of Covington's talk about Edwards' father either, saying, quote, one of those things I really don't like is going after family, White said. It's just a nasty thing 
to do. Now, listen, Covington was on this show right here on the Stephen A. Smith show days leading into the fight. Um, his bravado, his trash talk, all of that other stuff, you know that he doesn't hold back at all. And he certainly didn't hold back when uh, he came on the Stephen A. Smith show just a few days ago. Uh, so if you saw him during that interview and you watched his history at all, then you'll know that his post-fight reaction and his post-fight, his post-fight quotes, you know he wasn't going to hold back then either. After the bout, he said he didn't regret his remarks from the news conference, bringing up Edward's father's alleged criminal past. He said, why would I want to feel bad or why would I feel bad for a criminal? Covington said, we won't even get to, into the fact that he's now 0-3 in, in, in title fights for the UFC undisputed title. He lost twice to Kamaru's mind, who Edwards beat, by the way, twice. And then obviously he lost to Edwards last night. I don't condone what Covington did either. I think it's pretty low. All right, let me just say that. I don't think you should be doing what he did. I think that's I mean, that's beyond the pale. It's, it's damn near inhumane, to be quite honest with you. It does make you ask the question where your soul's at. And even afterwards, he tried to intimate that he lost the fight, even though he was thoroughly beaten. It was a one-sided fight. He tried to claim it was like fake news. It was like a fake ruling, you know, talking about because he's a fan of Donald Trump. Meanwhile, while he was saying that in the ring in the post-fight that he should have won the fight, but he lost because he's a fan of Donald Trump. And that may have swayed the judges. Donald Trump was walking out as he was saying that. So you see how Trump rolls. Trump's with people that's going to win. That's his mentality. If you're going to lose, Trump ain't trying to be attached to you. That's really what this came down to, okay? But let me say this, because it's incredibly important to say this. We just got to be honest about it. You know, rules are different when it comes to the fighters. I'm not saying it should or shouldn't be, but rules are different. I don't, again, I don't condone what Kobe Covington said about Leon Edwards' father by any stretch of the imagination. And I can understand why Leon Edwards wanted to sit up there and just destroy him. Um, and, it t- and it says a lot about Leon Edwards that he still was able to go into the ring, maintain composure, and on top of it all, pick him apart the way that he did. Keep him off balance with those leg kicks. Make sure that he dictated pace. Um, even though he was taken down a couple of times, he actually took Covington down a couple of times. So we got to look at all of that. But here's what I'm saying to y'all. It's a bigger issue that needs to be discussed because we have to maintain consistency. We have to maintain consistency. We don't like it. We don't appreciate it. We get it. It's off kilter. I get all of that. The flip side to it, however, is that we live in a society that to this very day reveres my hero, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is the greatest of all time. He called himself that. I call him that. I love this man. God rest his soul. Um, I believe he's in heaven somewhere because of all that he did for our community. He was a phenomenal champion, a phenomenal fighter, a phenomenal humanitarian, particularly in the latter part of his life. I'm personal friends with his daughter, Layla Ali, who I think is one of the most sensational women I've ever seen in sports. She is something special in so many different ways. And I'm not here to sit up there and, and, and insult Muhammad Ali by any stretch of the imagination. But we love and revere him. Remember what he said about Joe Frazier? Remember that? The thriller, the killer. You know, I'm going to beat the gorilla in Manila. Remember that? Remember when he called him the white man's champion? 
Remember when he called him an Uncle Tom? Now, we all said it's pre-fight hype, right? That's how we embraced it. That's how we took it. Why don't you fast forward? Because the Thriller in Manila and all those other fights, that was in the 70s, 71 and on. The three fights that he had with Frazier. But if you recall, it was 25 years later, more than 25 years later, in 1996 at the Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia, when Muhammad Ali was going to lit the flame. When Frazier found out about that, do y'all remember what he said? Y'all remember what he said? He said he hoped that Ali would fall into the flames. He said that if he could, he'd have pushed him in it. He hated that man. He hated Muhammad Ali. Because no matter what we absorbed and what we took, it was that damaging to Joe Frazier. And one would say the level of cruelty reached epic proportions because you have to understand that when we're talking about Joe Frazier, particularly during that era, because the civil rights era was still in vogue, to call a man the Uncle Tom, and Uncle Tom, to sit up there and say he was the white man's champion. You have any idea what it was like for Joe Frazier? Black folks the world over loved Muhammad Ali. Ali Boumaye, Ali Boumaye, when he was fighting George Foreman. Even George Foreman back then was like, I'm black too. But Ali, there was such reverence and such love and affection for him from our community that it alienated others who were black because folks took sides. Now, what the hell does that have to do with Kobe Covington saying what he said about Leon Edwards, which none of us condone, none of us should condone. And I'll get that. And I'm saying that loud and clear. Please don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is when it comes to fighters, when you have a license to assault or to be assaulted, when you could literally get away with killing somebody inside the ring or inside the octagon, as off kilter, as wrong, as inhumane and disrespectful and other things that you could come up with to describe such disgusting rhetoric coming out of the mouth of somebody else. When it comes to fights, I'm never shocked. If you think anything could give you the slightest edge, again, not condoning it, but it shouldn't surprise you when it happens. A guy like Kobe Covington, what he said was disgusting. It was wrong. As a human being, he should be ashamed of himself. As a fighter, it's hard to tell him to care before you get into that, into that ring. Because whatever you think gives you an edge is what, in, mo in all likelihood, you're going to utilize. Take, for example, what Leon Edwards said. He was in such a rage. He said he spent the night crying. That press conference was on Thursday. The fight was on Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, what if that press conference was Friday night instead of Thursday night? What if Leon Edwards didn't have that full 24 hours to get composed? Then he would have stepped into the octagon. He would have been hell-bent on knocking the living hell out of Kobe Covington. He would have went after him in a feverish manner with nothing but volatile intentions on his mind, as opposed to being composed, 
seasoned, poised like a champion should be. And it would have played into Kobe Covington's hands and Kobe Covington would have took him out. Possibly. I didn't think that was going to happen because Leon, I was looking at him, he's big. He beat Uzman, who beat uh, Covington twice and what have you. I didn't think that was going to happen because Covington's 35 years of age. And like Dana White said, look a bit slow. But what I'm saying is you're looking for any edge that you can get. And when it comes to fighting, it's the mental edge. Again, not excusing it. Just rationalizing the intent behind it. When you're fighters... This is what happens. I'll remind y'all that Kobe Covington was about to be out of the UFC. If I remember correctly from the stories that I read during my research on him, he was considered incredibly boring. And it wasn't until he became a heel that he went to Brazil for a fight and insult, insulted the Brazilian folks there. And, and, and you saw the uproar that he created. That's when everybody started gravitating to him. That's what ultimately led to him getting a fight. Not once, but twice against Usman. That's what ultimately, of course, winning too did that as well. But that's what ultimately led to him getting in the in octagon against Masvidal. Who looked exhausted after a couple of rounds fighting Covington. And then ultimately, that's what got him this third title shot against Edwards. These are the kind of things that happen. So again, I'm not, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's right. Please don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying to you is that throughout history, which is why I use Muhammad Ali. No, Tyson didn't have to talk about other people. All Tyson had to do was sit up there and, and talk about how he wanted to push your nose into your brain and walk into the ring with the doom, with a black cut off robe over his head or towel rather walking into the ring, black trunks, black socks. Black, you know, black towel or white towel just coming in there clearly with bad intentions. No intent whatsoever for the fight to go the distance. Trying to finish you. That's what Tyson did. So he didn't have to do all of that talking. But some fighters did. Pretty boy Floyd. He made money. He was unbelievable as a lightweight. He was something special, Floyd Money Mayweather. But when he became Money Mayweather and he started chirping and talking trash and becoming a pariah in a lot of people's eyes, that's how he made a billion dollars. That's how he made a billion dollars. That's not the only way to make your money. I mean, we see good guys in sports all the time, the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's of the world and others. You make your money being good guys. But some people make their money being bad guys. The in-between, the middle of the road in the world of professional sports pertaining to the actual athletes themselves usually doesn't work. You got to be extremely likable or extremely hated. That's usually what it takes. Usually, not always, but usually. Usually. And that's what we have to take into consideration. Again. You're talking to the ultimate fan of Muhammad Ali and the ultimate fan of his family and especially his daughter, Layla, who is a friend. I love the ground that woman walks on. And I would never utter an insulting word about Muhammad Ali. I want to be clear. But what I'm saying is the quotes that he said, particularly the times in which he said those things to George, to Joe Frazier and about Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier never got over to his dying breath. 
He hated this man because of the labels and the attachment and the way it galvanized our very own community to look at him as second fiddle compared to Muhammad Ali. It wasn't even that Ali was loved more or Frazier was loved less. It's that Ali was so revered and so loved that painting Joe Frazier in that manner, the white man's champion, the Uncle Tom, during the civil rights era. That was a very, very difficult thing for Joe Frazier to live with in his own community. Which explained why you could go into George Frazier's gym on North Broad Street in Philadelphia all of those years in his boxing gym. And the one photo that was conspicuous was him standing over Ali after he had dropped Ali down, dropped Ali in the 15th round of their first fight. The pain never left him. We revered Ali and loved Ali and didn't care about the damage that was done to Joe Frazier. What we don't pay enough attention to is the stage that stuff set over the years, for years and years and years to come. It may not be that example people were definitively looking at, but it was a very conspicuous example folks could lean on. Why do you think you see athletes talking trash all the time when the cameras are rolling? Some athletes, that is. Not most, not all, but some. Particularly in sports like the UFC and boxing. Why do you think you see that? Because they think it sells. And by it selling... You're going to be in a position, all right, now I got to go in there and perform. Floyd Money Mayweather, when he moved up to welterweight and he repeatedly had those hand injuries, wasn't knocking people out all the time. Yeah, he put, he put down Ricky Hatton. Yeah, he did that. Pacquiao was a decision. Cotto was a decision. Chicken Shane was a decision. Zab Judah, a decision. Well, actually, the squalification, all of that stuff was going on. But the list goes on and on. You just got to turn around. What happened? The ability to be able to market yourself is why you may say the things that you say. Kobe Covington was a quiet dude who was about to get pushed out of the sport because he was too damn boring. And then he started talking a lot of shit. And all of a sudden, he became an attraction. Again, he went too far. As Dana White says, you don't bring up family. You don't do that. Fair enough. Totally true. But let's just be honest. There's a method to the madness. I bet you for Covington, it was about that as much as it was about anything else. Not to say it wasn't about anything else, but I bet you that had a lot to do with it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Let me move on to the National Football League. Because on this special Sunday edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, it's a football Sunday. Friday started the weekend right. I said it. It was on first take. And 
to reiterate what I said. I will show you what I said when I sat up there and I looked at my arm to because I was wearing my watch Friday morning and I was in Los Angeles, California, and it was about 7.15 or 7.16. And I said, this show goes off the air at nine o'clock West Coast time by 9.30. That damn Brandon Staley should be fired. It should be official by that time. And sure enough, it was. You don't believe me? You don't believe that I said that? Take a look at me on ESPN's first take Friday morning on ESPN, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Look at what I said prior to Brandon Staley and GM Telesco being fired. Look at what I said. Well, first of all, let's say this. It is 7-16 West Coast time. If this man, Brandon Staley, has a job by 930, I'm disappointed. He should be gone today. Done. Over. Now, I want the record to show that nobody has been more of an advocate of his dismissal than me from the time he blew a 27 point lead uh, uh, against the the Jaguars in the playoffs last year. 27 to nothing. He blew it. But this is what I want to say. He's not a leader of men. He has no business being a head coach in the National Football League at this particular moment in time. And as far as I'm concerned, he should want to quit. There you have it. It's a couple of days later, and I'm not stuttering. I meant every damn word I said. Brandon Staley should not. First of all, he shouldn't have been a head coach of the Chargers. Let's just call it what it is. He finished 24 and 24 in three seasons with Justin uh, Justin Herbert as, as, his, as his quarterback. You got cats like Duran James and Khalil Mack and, and J.C. Jackson and, and various others on the squad. This man was a former defensive coordinator. One year in Los Angeles. This is Brandon Staley we talking about. Riding the coattails of Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And that got him a head coaching job. And he gets the head coaching job in the same city, Los Angeles, California. Okay? And this is the job that he did. This man did not deserve the job. And when he lost last year, a 27 to nothing lead, 27 to nothing to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs and lost. I thought he, not only should he have been fired, he should have been allowed on the team playing. They should have made his ass fly commercial. Back to LA. Find a Southwest Airlines or a Delta or something. Get, get the hell up out of here. You ain't getting on this charter. That's what I would have done. That's how bad of a job that he did. Now remember, there's a lot of stuff that goes with his history, okay? Him and GM Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco is very simple. You're the GM. You've been the GM for 11 years. You got three coaches. You only got two player victories to show for 11 years of work. You got to go. Enough's enough. You got to go. You had plenty of time to get the job done, and you didn't get the job done. In Brandon Staley's case, remember in 2021 when he lost that week 18, I'm sorry, a week 18 winner go home game to the Raiders? Remember that? Remember in 2022? Like I told you, up 27 to nothing and loses 31 to 30 to Jacksonville. Now, on Friday morning, he was fired because Thursday night they lost 63 to 21. They were down 42 to nothing at the half. See, at some point in time, we got to call it like we see it. And what we can't do is continue to just let less stuff fly into the wind. No, it's unacceptable. I'm just looking at some of my notes here about this guy. And I'm just saying to you, when you look at Brandon Staley, the coach for the Los Angeles Chargers, you're down 42 to nothing at halftime. Second largest halftime lead was the second largest in NFL history. This is against the nemesis, the Raiders, okay? 
For the entirety of the game, the Raiders have scored 35 points off of five charges turnovers. But I'm just looking at Brandon Staley. Let me throw this out to y'all again. Turned 41 last Sunday, 24 and 24 regular season record in three seasons, which ranked 14th in the NFL. Charges are 0-5 in games decided by three points or less this season. Eight fourth quarter blown leads in three seasons. Eight. Eight. Okay. This is what we're talking about here. And this man who's a defensive coordinator in his three years, 29th in total defense, 31st in scoring defense, 28th in third down defense. That's what he did. What's there to talk about? See, the reason I bring this up and the reason that this is important is because I'm going to take it here. A black man's not getting that kind of opportunity to be mediocre 24 and 24 and still keeping his job when Justin Herbert is your quarterback. When they paid the kind of money that they paid to put you guys in position to be, to win in the second largest market in the United States of America. You might say, Anthony Lynn, I got news for you. Anthony Lynn had a better record in his four seasons than Brandon Staley had in his third. He was two games above 500. And if you're the GM Telesco, for those of you wondering, Brandon Staley, Anthony Lynn, Mike McCoy, those were your three coaches. 84 and 92 in 11 seasons, ranked 19th in the NFL. Zero division titles in 11 years. Not one single division title. Three playoff appearances, two playoff wins. And by the way, Phillip Rivers and Justin Herbert were his quarterback. Were his quarterbacks. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. You know why Telesco needed to go? Because you kept Brandon Staley. He should have been going after last season. He shouldn't have been allowed to come into this season. You're a black man in the National Football League. You ain't getting this kind of opportunities to keep your job when you're flagrantly mediocre. And that's the point to bring up here. See, when I bring this stuff up, what I'm trying to say to y'all is this. I'm not wishing for somebody to get fired, especially like Christmas time. I'm not the Grinch, y'all. I'm not Scrooge. I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't roll like that. But certain times things need to be said. If you get to keep your job while you're mediocre, it inhibits the ability of others to get an opportunity. You can't stink up the joint. You can't suck. You can't be mediocre. Keep your job. And then we're ever going to address the issues of others who may deserve the opportunities, white, black, and beyond, by the way. That's not going to happen. You have to, you have to be able to move. This is professional sports. Millions upon millions of dollars to be made. The median salary in the United States of America doesn't even exceed $50,000, $60,000. The average salary in the, in, in the United States of America is less than $100,000. You're talking about coaches in the National Football League and in professional sports. That's the top 1% to 2% of income earners in our society. What do you think? You suppose you, you, you're allowed to have that into perpetuity? You got to show up. You got to get the job done. And if you're in Los Angeles, there's a whole bunch of distractions. A whole bunch of distractions. You got to understand. Tomorrow ain't guaranteed. People got distractions. They got things to do. There's plenty of stuff to do in Los Angeles. You ain't got to go to a Chargers game. Hell, you can go to a Rams game. You go to a Clippers game. You damn sure could go to a Lakers game. You don't need the charges. So if you the charges, it's incumbent upon you to make them want you. 
to make them want to come and support you. Charge should have been got rid of Staley. What you holding on for? Young, white, looked apart, you know, likable, because the likability factor was there. You hear some of the things this man said in the press conference? I don't think I deserve to lose my job. I know the work that I put in here. What the hell does work have to do with it? What did you accomplish? What good is your work without results? You didn't have the results. Did you listen to that, man? Eight blown leads in three seasons. Five losses by three points or less this season. 24 and 24 record, a mere 500 record with Justin Herbert as your quarterback. And this man sat up there and said he deserved to keep his job. He deserves to move forward. He knows the work he put in. No wonder he got fired. Friday. And the GM Telesco, you damn right. He should have been going too. No division titles in 11 years. What purpose are you serving? I could do that. I'm Stephen A. Smith. I'm a reporter and a pundit. I've never coached a day in my life. I damn sure I've never been a GM a day in my life for a professional sports team. And I could get the Chargers job and not win a division title for 11 straight years. You got to be kidding me. Of course he had to go. And let it be a lesson. When we want to address issues of diversity and beyond, the first order of business is weeding out those who are mediocre and have proven they didn't deserve the opportunity to begin with because they didn't maximize the opportunity presented to them. Despite the period of time that they had to get it done. This ain't Stephen A throwing out the first pitch after throwing about 25 to, to 30 strikes, 60 feet, six inches away in front of the Yankee dugout. And then I get up on a damn mound in a professional baseball park and I choke. I wet the bed because all I got is one pitch to throw. And that was the first time I was allowed up there. This man been coaching for three years. I mean, what the hell is going on? You been coaching for three years. Come on, man. Somebody got to say it. So I'm going to say it. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can never address the issues of diversity if you allow people keep their jobs when they clearly have proven they're too mediocre to deserve it anyway. Diversity never gets addressed when you let that happen. Please understand that, if nothing else. 888 SAS 5303 is the number to call up. That's 888-727-5303. That was just a couple of the topics that I planned on getting into, but I've got more up next. Mr. John Morant himself, 
superstar basketball player for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's about to return to the basketball court after a 25-game suspension this coming week. I believe it's Tuesday. But he had a press conference this Friday. Let's just say it wasn't his shining moment. I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about when I return in a minute. You're listening to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airways of YouTube. Back with more in a minute. Welcome back to Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Let me transition to the NBA because um, Ja Morant, obviously he's somebody that needs to be talked about at this particular moment in time because he's about to return uh, to the NBA following a 25-game suspension that was handed down uh, to him in June uh, after he was seen flashing a gun in his car uh, that one of his friends actually put on Instagram Live. Go figure. But anyway. Uh, He took a humble tone in his first public comment since the suspension this past Friday uh, when he spoke to the media. Grizzly Star spoke to the media Friday for the first time. Uh, He was penalized by Commissioner Adam Silver again in June after appearing in an Instagram video holding a firearm. Um, He's eligible to make his season debut this Tuesday in New Orleans versus the Pelicans. Uh, Morant said that the suspension included quite some horrible days, but Gave him time for self-reflection and addressing some issues through therapy. That was just some of the things that he said. Take a look at what else he had to say. It's been, you know, a process. You know, obviously, I wouldn't say, you know, uh, I regret it, but I'm, you know, not happy that it happened. Um, But I'm also, you know, grateful that, you know, I had this opportunity to, like you said, reflect um, and do things that, you know, I felt like was not only needed for me, but, you know, for my family, you know, as well for us to, you know, realize Pretty much, you know, what's all at stake, you know, um, ways, you know, we can, you know, keep each other happy um, and, you know, how we just, you know, have each other's back. I feel like we obviously been close before, but we came together, you know, even more, you know, during this process. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, I can't say I sit up here and regret it because in the end, I feel like it made me better. You know, Morant, uh, for those of you who do not know, he's been allowed to be with the team. Um and practice during his suspension. And so he should be in shape. He said that support was helpful to his mental well-being, of course. Um, however, the Grizzlies are still tied for the fourth worth, fourth worth record in the NBA. Um, and he acknowledged that he feels responsible for it, saying, quote, there's some guilt. Obviously, I'm not on the floor, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the Grizzlies are now 6-18 and 18 for the season, 1-11 at home without him. It was good to see John Moran at this press conference. It was bad to listen to him. You know, I'm not here to denigrate John Moran anyway. We need him. He's a superstar. His brother's something special. Um, There's no doubt about that. Um, And when he's on the court playing a game of basketball, we're all better off for it as basketball fans. Um, He is electrifying. He is a taller um, version of Allen Iverson, as far as I'm concerned. He's just electrifying. He truly, truly is. Um, that's how I feel about him. And I'm rooting for him big time. But as part of rooting for somebody, it's, it's, it's basically highlighting for them where they made mistakes. And in this particular instance, I'm not talking about the things that he did. I'm talking about his press conferences. He needs help. So I'm here to provide some help. Now, some would say, why the hell would you do that, Stephen A? Well, let's let's count the list. There was um, 
the finish line store incident in July, July 22nd of 2022, to be exact, that involved his mother, some friends and him allegedly making threats. Uh, it continued when he departed from the mall because a mall security person said they were threatened. Four days later, there was an alleged assault of a 17 year old, a Joshua Holiday, to be exact, that him and his friend uh, allegedly punched in the head repeatedly, his friend Devontae, Devontae Pack. Okay. Remember, a couple of months later, there was a confrontation at a Houston high school volleyball game. All right involving Moran Associates. Of course, there's uh, the laser incident that took place months later of this year, January 29th to be exact, where the Pacers had gotten into a confrontation with Moran's friend, Devontae Pack, same guy. Um, he was escorted off the court after he got into a verbal altercation with a few Pacers players after the game. Reading from the reports right here, members of the Pacers organization say they're confronted by Morant's associates. Members of the Pacers organization told the athletic at the time that a red, a red laser, which some believe is a guns laser sight is trained on them from a car containing Morant and others. The NBA investigates, but does not corroborate the presence of a gun. Pack is banned from Memphis home games for a year, Morant says. Then there was the Instagram Live incident in March, March 4th to be exact, in Colorado. Um, after the Grizzlies lost to the Denver Nuggets on March 3rd, Morant is seen briefly appearing to hold up a gun while rapping and, da and dancing at Shotgun Willies, a nightclub in Glendale, Colorado. He was ultimately interviewed by my colleague at the time, uh, Jalen Rose, my man, uh, interviewed uh, John Morant. And John Morant said, that's not him. That's not who he is, et cetera, et cetera. But he never answered, you know, the question as to whose gun, whose gun was it? I guess he's not snitching. We get that. Didn't want to dime out his boy. Fine. No problem. But just 10 days after that, remember, Morant had received an eight game suspension for that. But then 10 days, I'm sorry, a month and 10 days later, May 14th, a second Instagram live incident follows. Morant is seated in a moving car. Obviously, this is after they got obliterated by the Lakers in the playoffs, by the way. Okay. When Dylan Brooks was talking smack and then the Lakers smoked him by 40. Remember that? And Morant and, the rest, and some of his teammates, not all, but some of them were seen on the bench. Morant was laughing and smiling. While they were getting annihilated. Remember that? But then after that, he's seated in a moving car. This second Instagram live incident. Flashes an object that appears to be a gun during an Instagram live video video broadcast by his friend. The next day, the Grizzlies announced he'd been suspended from all team activities pending an NBA review. The NBA begins an investigation. Morant says, quote, I know I've disappointed a lot of people who supported me. This is a journey. I recognize there's more work to do. And then on June 16th, during the finals, Adam Silver announces Moran has been suspended for 25 games after a league investigation. In the statement, Silver calls Moran's behavior alarming and disconcerting. Moran apologizes to the NBA, his teammates, fans, and sponsors in the statement saying he would spend the offseason working on his mental health and decision making. 
He said, quote, to the kids who look up to me, I'm sorry for failing you as a role model. I promise I'm going to be better. And to all of my fans, I'm going to make it up to you. I promise. That's the story on John Moran. Those are the facts. Uh, what's left out is the fact that Adam Silver felt the need to suspend him because John Moran lied to his face. Told him that's not how he's living. That's not what he's about. That's not what he was doing. That would never happen again. And then a month later, it happened. Okay. Now. Mistakes happen. Everybody deserves second chances, third chances in some instances. John Moran broke no laws. He wasn't a criminal. He didn't violate any laws. He violated the bylaws of the NBA. It's a different matter, but he broke no laws. So let's not view him as some kind of criminal. But it's time that we start asking certain questions. And it's time that John Morant articulates specifically what the problems are, which he did not do in that press conference. He was asked on numerous occasions what kind of help he received. What did he learn? What specific mistakes does he believe he made, et cetera, et cetera. He was very vague about those things. Very vague. Now, some would say it's none of our business. That's fine. You're a public figure. You John Morant. Ones could argue against it, but that's neither here nor there. Here's where the issue lies. And I was shocked that nobody asked this question. How the hell was stuff ever on Instagram live to begin with? Like you're allowing it. John Morant is not stupid. What was going on? What was in your state of mind that you allowed it? What could it have been? Were you not lucid enough? Were you not alert enough? Were you compromised? See, we got to ask these questions. Because to me, that's what's at the heart of this. A completely together, lucid, Alert John Morant is not allowing somebody on Instagram to put him on Instagram live. He already knew from a month earlier with the eight game suspension that it was a compromising position for him to be in or a couple of months earlier. There was a compromising position for him to be in. So how the hell did you end up in that position again? How? How? It's not stupidity because he ain't stupid. It's a smart brother. Never forget Draymond Green coming on this show and telling me that John Moran is one of the most brilliant basketball minds he's seen out there on the court. This brother's don't, don't sleep. His athleticism is what all of y'all are focused on. You don't understand how smart this brother is. This brother knows what he's doing. He's a scientist out there. That's what Draymond Green said right on this show. Right on this show. He's not stupid. What's going on? Nobody asked him. Were you drinking? Were you of your full? Did you have your full faculties in order? Because if you're John Morant, here's what you do in this press conference. <laughs> I messed up real bad. I know my words don't mean anything because I said it to y'all before and look what I did. But here's what I didn't say to you before. 
these are the problems I was having. I'm over them now. Therapy, counseling, friends, family, loved ones. He said those parts. He said, but he should have said, but at the end of the day, here's what I was going through. See, we miss what America is all about. We're called and considered the land of second chances for a reason. When you express your vulnerabilities and you just put it out there, people understand. It's when you act like nothing's wrong or you come across like it really ain't that much of an issue. But since y'all making it out to be an issue, all right, I got to deal with this shit and then, all right, it's time to move on. See, that's when it becomes a problem. All John Moran had to do was answer the direct questions that were presented to him. I assure you, if you go back and you watch that 16 plus minutes in which I saw him talking to the media. Everything that was thrown in his direction about exactly what had gone wrong. He was vague about. He was vague about. You know what that means? That means that there's a large part of him that doesn't feel he was wrong. There's a large part of him that doesn't believe he needs to change the company he keeps. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or the environment in which he's around them and they're around him. Which means that it's not so much that I did anything wrong because, again, he broke no laws. is that the cover-up needs to be better. I am not saying that John Moran feels this way. I'm saying that's how he looked in the press conference. And whatever publicist he had working with him, didn't do a good job. Because yes, we need to see, and yes, we need to see that you're not going to do stupid shit no more to compromise your bottom line, your dollars. And your ability to take care of your family. Yeah, you got a contract that's kicking in next season that, that starts for five years and can get you in excess of $231 million. But that $40 million you lost, you'll never get that back. You're never getting it back. And why? Why? Why exactly? Because you're waving a gun in a strip club? Because you're waving a gun in a car? Because one of your friends who's supposed to be watching your back is literally Instagramming you live on it while you're doing it. There are other videos. That people would look at and would say it's incriminating. It could be something as simple as John Moran drinking a bottle of water. And I don't bring up his daddy because I don't like him. I bring up his daddy because I do like him. I do like T. Moran. I do like his dad. I love seeing him at the game. I love seeing his connection with his son. And he's a basketball fan. It's nothing, nothing but love for that man and respect. I'm a black man. You're a father. And the way black fathers are denigrated in this world is sickening to me because so many black men are great fathers and we don't get enough props for it. It really, really bothers me. But perception and imagery matters too. And if you are a person 
that's at the game and the lights are flashing everywhere, it's, 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 you know, you're inside an arena, right? It's not the sun. And you wearing shades with a cup in your hand. What you think people are thinking? It could be a, it could be a Pepsi. It could be water. But sir, what do you think people are thinking? It matters. Because of how your son has been perceived. So when we talk about cleaning stuff up, all of it's got to be cleaned up. It's got to be that come to Jesus thing. Yeah, the NBA just has to deal with John Morant. The Grizzlies as an organization has to deal with all things that entail John Morant. And that includes his friends and family. And it's about simply having to sit down and like, yo, it's what we need. And it's about John Morant saying to the public, I know. I had to do better, but this is what was going on. My bad. My bad. He was vague. And that's why you saw uh, the commercial appeal in Memphis and other things saying, the hell with your word, show us. Because his words were not riveting enough. They didn't tell us anything. So now folks lie in wait. If it were me at that press conference, I'm not saying John Morant does because I don't know anything about that. And damn it, even if I did, unless it was reported, I wouldn't tell y'all. I don't get into people's personal business like that. But if I had a drinking problem, I would say so. Yeah, man, I just, I leaned on alcohol. If I had family issues, yeah, man, yeah. The specifics are none of y'all business, but I had a lot going on with the family and whatever, and I, I didn't know how to handle it, and I did it the wrong way. But we worked together on that, and I think we're in a better situation. It could be anything. It's just sprinkling someone or the folks with nuggets of intel to express and to articulate specifically what you're going through so you can be believed. Because without that, nobody believes in the sincerity. Now, that may not matter if he doesn't get himself into another situation. But I assure you, it will matter if he does. Because people will remember. And they won't lend it towards you simply having a problem. They'll lend it towards you being a young, rich prima donna who thought you could get away with anything. Yeah, he deserved what he gets. And I thought that the press conference was an ideal opportunity to him to really speak and articulate himself in a way that shows how sincere and genuine he is about moving forward and making sure the past never happens again. That's just me. I don't know how y'all feel about that. Let me transition from John Morant back to the NFL, specifically a former NFL player by the name of Des Bryant. Um, Des Bryant uh, made news on a few occasions. Um, he's obviously an outspoken individual and, 
you know, clearly has aspirations to have his own voice, to say the least. Um, he tweets a lot. I can tell you that much. And he's been tweeting a lot. And last week I had to address him or a few days ago, I had to address him because he came out with a tweet about me the other day. And the tweet said, and you can see it right here for yourself. Quote, I really want to get in a boxing ring with Stephen A. Smith and Stu Presidente, which is um, Dave Portno. I didn't even know that at the time. And he says, folks like them talk the way they do because they know they can't get touched. But I wish they would agree to get in the ring with me so I can unleash my frustration against them. I can beat the shit, blah, blah, blah. And I, I addressed the subject, basically saying, what the hell is wrong with Des Bryant? I never had any issue with him. Uh, but secondly, and more importantly, what's going on in your life when you're saying that you would consider it a blessing? A blessing to, um, he said, quote, I can beat the shit out of them without going to jail. I need that blessing. I said, what's going on with your life when that's your definition of a blessing? Beat somebody's ass and you don't have to go to jail. It's always a boxing ring. It's always UFC. I mean, I'm looking at Des right now. How old is he? He's 35 years of age. Just turned 35 November 4th. You know, there are opportunities to fight if you want to. You know, I mean, you know, last time we saw him in the National Football League, he was walking around at 220, 230. You know, about 40 pounds, you know, 50 pounds heavier than me. You know, and I'm 20 plus years older than him, but he wants to beat me up. Okay. Um, but I felt the need to address it because I thought that was beyond the pale and I thought that was uncalled for. Um, and to his credit, um, not only did he take that tweet down, but he said that I was right. It's just that he has a lot of things that he wants to speak on. Let me say this. <clears throat> Des Bryant has been through a lot. And there are people who have been incredibly unfair to him. Him being a member of the Dallas Cowboys did not help because, you know, I like to troll them, but that's all in fun. You know, um, you love the Dallas Cowboys. You hate the Dallas Cowboys and Dallas loves to be loved and hated. They loved being, you know, America's team to a whole bunch of people and the pariah to everybody else. They don't love the in-between, which is why their owner, Jerry Jones, is an absolute master at marketing because he feeds off of that and he lives in it. And to be honest with you, that's why he and I have a great relationship because he knows I'm just having fun. Yes, I hate I, I hate on Dallas Cowboy fans, you know, not the team, the fans. I like trolling them just like they like trolling me. But it's all in fun. I take pictures with Dallas Cowboy fans all over the place. We go back and forth. I just hate that scream. How about them Cowboys? Because I don't think they've won anything to deserve it over the last damn near 30 years. But that's just me. But it's all in fun. There's nothing malicious or vicious about it. We're just having a good time. And Jerry Jones gets that, which is why myself with him and his son, Stephen Jones and their family, we have a good relationship with one another. They know it's just a lot. It's, it's all in fun. That's all it is. All right. But Des Bryant wasn't talking about that. He's talking about something entirely different. And he's talking about something entirely different because obviously he's an incredibly frustrated individual. The question is, is he justified with this frustration? I think in the days and weeks to come, we're going to learn that. Because. 
Yes, he took down that tweet, which I appreciate. And yes, he explained himself to some degree, manned up, which he is because he is a man. And I appreciate that. And then he's on social media talking about he's going to come out with his own podcast. Let me say to Des Bryant, I support you coming out with your own podcast. Man, you got stuff to say, say it. I understand. Just make sure you got evidence to back it up. Don't be on the event. Like have evidence. You know, because ultimately, if you market yourself as somebody who has a lot to say, you know, because you got a lot to get off your chest. Well, what happens when you get it off your chest? Then what? What's that going to take? One show, five shows, 10 shows? I do three shows a week. What are you going to do after that? There's but so much venting you can do when it comes to you personally. And clearly he has an ax to grind with media members or whatever. I think a lot of times folks get media members confused with bloggers. I'm a member of the media. I'm mindful and cognizant of the tenets that come along with the profession. A player having a podcast is not the media. You can call it new media like Draymond Green likes to call it. I get it. But I assure you it's something different. I'm like legally and beyond. There's a responsibility to come with it. There's tenets and rules and regulations and minefields we know how to avoid. Because we're the media. As opposed to people just running our mouths. So I think it's important to keep those things into consideration. And that's what I would say. I'm happy that Des Bryant is thinking about coming out with his own podcast. I'm happy um, that he acknowledged that I was right. Um, I have no axe to grind with him. I've always had mad love and respect for Des Bryant. You know, I don't agree with everything he says. But that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of things he say that I do agree with. There's a lot of points he make that I think are valid. And as an NFL player that was a star in this league for eight years with the Dallas Cowboys before he tore his Achilles and ultimately was out for two seasons from 2018 to 2020 before he came back as a Baltimore Raven. But his career was pretty much over by that particular moment in time. It is what it is. His football mind and his football acumen may be something that we don't know a lot about, but we need to know. I'm anxious to hear it. But as it pertains to this stuff, getting stuff off his chest. He wants to talk to a brother. Ain't nobody running. I'm happy to talk with him. If he wants to have a conversation and converse back and forth in a respectful manner, I'm all for it. He's welcome to come on this show. And I'm sure he's going to go on other shows as well. So it's all good. Just wanted to let him know that. He's cool with me. Always been cool with me. Even when I disagree with his, his, his tweet and all of that stuff, he was still cool with me. Others not named Des Bryant will never be cool with me. And they know who the hell they are. But Des Bryant's not one of those people. I'm cool with him. It's, it's all good. He's entitled his opinion to vent and express himself. It's okay. All right? So I look forward to talking to him. Hopefully he'll be on the show sooner than later. And hopefully he'll come out with his own podcast. I'll be very interested in seeing what he has to say, as I am and what most athletes have to say I think we owe it to them I think we should be rooting for them I think we should be fans of them that's why I show up on podcasts from time to time when folks ask me to you know we ask to interview them when they ask to interview us I think that we should jump at that I think we owe it 
all the time we take from athletes to interview them, even though it's a part of their job contractually and otherwise, they don't have to give us as much time as they give us a lot of times. So we talk to them the least. If, if, I, if they talk to us, the least we could do is talk to them. Ain't nobody running from that. 888-SAS-5303 is the number called us. 888-727-5303. You're listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Cardi B loses it. What the hell is up with her? That and your calls up next to close out the show. You're listening live to Stephen A. Right here on YouTube. Back with more in a minute. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Right here with the digital airwaves of YouTube. Before I get to the to, to your text messages, I'm not going to take calls today because I'm not in my I'm in my home studio as opposed to my studio. Um, so I'm just going to take text messages right now in a couple of minutes. But I had to address uh, something's taking place in the world of pop culture and entertainment. Um, Cardi B, you know Cardi B. Everybody knows Cardi B. I mean, damn, she's got about 32 million followers on Twitter and 169 million followers on Instagram. Lord have mercy. Okay. You know, I personally think she's fly as hell. Um, you know, she's obviously talented and she's made a big name for herself and what have you. And, uh, but her personal business is in the news courtesy of her. Uh, she blasted her ex-husband offset on social media, Instagram live to be exact, which means she was talking to 169 million of her followers on Instagram live. She confirmed the couple broke up, but seemed fine about the situation saying during the live stream, I'm curious for a new life for a new beginning. And yeah, I'm excited. But that was before she goes back on on Friday to make sure he felt her wrath lashing out this time on Twitter, calling offset all types of names, promising to take it there or over whatever it was he did that set her off. Listen to her right now. Shit. Cause you will fucking talk to a nigga and a motherfucker will play in your fucking face and your fucking face over and over and over and over and over again. And she'll be like, watch. Watch what I'm about to do. Watch what I'm about to say. And it's so fucking sad that a nigga like to... Yo, this motherfucker really likes to play games with me when I'm at my most vulnerable time. When, I, when I'm not the most confident. They like, he likes to play games with me because he knows I'm not an easy girl. He, he knows yesterday I could have been out. I could have been chilling. I could have been this and that. He knows I'm in my house. He knows that I'm chilling. He knows I'm not doing the most. And I've really been sparing you. I've really been sparing you. You've been fucking feeling yourself, you bitch-ass nigga, because of your bitch-ass album and shit, and you've really been fucking doing me dirty after so many fucking years that I motherfucking hope your ass. Not even a fucking thank you that I got for your bitch ass. And it's so crazy that I got to go to the fucking internet because whenever I fuck I tell you something, you don't take shit serious. Her words, MFs will try you at your lowest, at your most vulnerable time. You out here feeling yourself, but trust me, the tables turn. It's a far cry from a few months ago when she was defending him uh, over certain rumors that I'm not going to get into because it's none of my business. Here's what I'm going to say. Consistency matters. I have to be consistent. I have to ask Cardi B the question, why the hell is that any of our business? Because that's what I asked Jada Pickett Smith. Why the hell is that any of our business? Cardi B is lashing out, although it was somewhat unclear what she was um what she was uh complaining about. 
it was what was clear is that that's her personal relationship with him. And he has pissed her off. And so she is venting to all of her followers. Why? Why? To me, I, I, I mean, I've gotten to the point where the only people I want to hear publicizing their personal relationships are porn stars. Because it makes perfect sense. If you're screwing for the public to see, then obviously nothing's off limits. It makes sense. It makes sense. But these are the same people who will have security surrounding them everywhere. Who will distance themselves from the world when they need to. Who plead for privacy. But invite people into their public business. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm going to say something because the ladies out there and listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm more so asking based on what I perceive to be the issue rather than what I know. I'm not proclaiming to know anything. And as it pertains to Cardi B's personal relationship with Offset, that's their damn business. I don't want to know. Some people like porn. So if y'all were screwing around and y'all decided to do a porn video, something a lot of people would watch, I guess. Some wouldn't. But to me, that's the only folks that make sense talking about their public business. Because, I mean, if you're screwing publicly, why not? Clearly nothing is off limits. But that's not what we're talking about with Cardi B and Offset even though they showed some video of her giving him a lap dance or whatever months ago. I don't remember. Here's what I'm saying. I think this is what it is to the ladies out there. Not all, not most, but far too many of you is looking for public support to influence your relationship. Because maybe if you call the dude out, maybe he'll act better. Maybe if you embarrass him, excoriate him, emasculate him, he'll 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 do more what you want him to do. You looking for assistance. I'm not talking about specifically Cardi B. I'm talking about in general people who do the kind of things I believe a Jada Pinkett Smith. And now in a to a in a different way and to a lesser degree. Cardi B has done. She's clearly upset and venting and she's emotional. So she's speaking out on her platforms. Whereas Jada Pinkett Smith, when nobody was, it was, was thinking about it, you're just slicing and dicing Will Smith up at every damn turn. But when I think about a Cardi B and what she's saying, I'm like, okay, whatever it is he did, he did. How is that any of our business? What you looking for? What that got to do with us? What that got to do with your public? Why tell them that? If he was good enough to marry and he was good enough to have two children with, why can't he be good enough for you to handle matters privately with? Feeling the same way, same hostility, same venom, same disgust, all of those things you can absolutely positively feel. But short of it being a court case, short of it being something that ended up in the police blotters, 
What possible excuse could you have for going on your social media platforms and going off on him to 169 million followers, personal followers of yours, and the world over being being aware of the fact that you are completely pissed off at him? How is that our business? See, we live in a world right here where everything make news. Hell, it's news now, so I'm discussing it, right? And so as a result, people listen to it, et cetera, et cetera. We get all of that. But it still doesn't negate the impetus for it all, what provoked it all. Why are you provoking that? Why are you provoking that? I don't get into these kind of issues and incidences and whatever, but I got to tell you something. If anybody did that shit to me, They'd be dead to me. Like instantly. That ain't just no relationship. That's family too. If one of my four sisters or my nieces, one of my 15 nieces and nephews, one of my boys, the female friends that I have, I'm not talking about women I've dated. I'm talking about friends. Anybody, anybody betrays my trust. You're done. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to draw a line in the sand. We got to grow up as a society. We can't allow our society to continue to denigrate itself into an abyss we can't lift ourselves out of. Principles matter. Decorum matters. Class matters. There's certain shit you just don't do. You just don't do. I'm not sitting up here. I'm not talking about Cardi B. I'm just using her situation to highlight a bigger, grander issue that's been taking place in our society that we need to address. It ain't cool. It's not cool to go out there and publicize it. People sit up there and they say, oh, you know what? I work at ESPN. I work for Disney. You know, when I'm not doing my podcast, that's my day job. This I own right here. Stephen A., you're a company man. You're damn right I am. You're damn right I am in this respect. Our business is our business. I can tell you how I feel about something. But what I would never do is betray a trust. I would never go behind just like I wouldn't go behind the Philadelphia inquiries. But remember when I had that arbitration? Remember when I had stuff going on in Philadelphia? You ain't hear me talk about that. This stuff that's happened at ESPN for years. You don't hear me talking about that. When I was a high school reporter for the New York Daily News, there's stuff going on. When I was working at Fox Sports, when I was working at CNN, there's stuff that goes on in every workplace. You don't hear me talking about that. I've had a multitude of relationships in my lifetime. You don't hear me talking about that. Family issues and all that stuff, that's happened with everybody. As Bernie Mac would say, some of you got some fucked up family members here too, you know. Now, I don't talk about that. It's none of y'all business. I ain't got nothing to hide. It's just none of your business. Y'all see superstars. 
and they were dating each other. Stephen A was around these people, never even asked. They want to tell me they let me know. They want me to figure out on my own and figure it out on my own. They didn't want me to say anything. I wasn't going to say anything. I don't care who it is. You cannot have people in your life that can't be trusted. Mistakes happen. People don't always do what you want them to do. One person's definition of happiness might be your definition of misery. I get that. There may be a difference of opinion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about betrayal. I'm talking about people knowing there's a certain level you go to. And if you go there, you crossing the line. And you can't come back from that. That's what I'm saying. And I'm saying that when you look at this particular situation with Cardi B, it may not have gone there because she really didn't say much. She was just venting. But I'm just saying, why even do that? Your followers, they follow you because of your talents and your abilities. And how you ingratiate yourself with them and how they gravitate to you because of it. Your personal shit ain't their business. Offsets personal business damn sure ain't their business. I'm sure he's imperfect just like all of us are as men. In whatever ways those imperfections may show. But if he was good enough to marry and he was good enough for you to have two children with. He's good enough for you to keep shit in house. Doing what Cardi B did. Is trying to get the world to feel about him the way she feels in that moment. Respectfully, that's not right. That's just not right. They don't have anything to do with y'all relationship. And the ladies out there, a lot more often than not, what you're looking for is public assistance to help you handle your private matters. That's not right either. You're adults. You handle shit on your own. That's what a relationship is all about, right? It's a covenant. Isn't that what they say? You, that person, and God. Ain't that what it's supposed to be? That's what I thought. 888-727-5303. That's 888 888- SAS5303. Before I get on out of here, let me take some of your questions here. Um, at Matt's Celtics, he writes, Stephen A, what's the proper response if a woman sends you a spicy image? I need to know ASAP. Yo, Matt, depends on a woman and depends on your state of affairs. You married and this woman is doing that, it's highly inappropriate. Don't show it to your wife. Delete the photo. Keep moving. You're not married. You might want to keep the photo for crying out loud. For all I know, go ahead and keep it. But you're in a relationship. Don't act on it. 
If you do act on it, prepare to suffer the consequences. Which is another subject for another day. A lot of women don't realize some men are willing to suffer those consequences because they ain't happy in the relationship they're in. Sometimes rather than go through the whole rigmarole and the emotional turmoil of breaking up with somebody or, you know, going through arguments and all of this other stuff. I know men who've gotten caught on purpose. Just so the woman would move on because they didn't feel like dealing with the drama. Seriously. One of my boys did that. I thought he was a flaming idiot because he lost the best thing that ever happened to him. He knows who the hell he is. But it happens. But if you single and you don't have anybody and she sent you a spicy image and you like what you see, she's telling you to come get her. I would encourage you. Go get her. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Next up. Jay Anthony at slow J two right. Should Mike Tomlin stay or go? He should stay. The man hasn't had a losing record in 16 years. It's a dumb question. I'm sorry. He should stay. He is not Brandon Staley. Next question at Shawnee underscore hood rat. I had a dream where you went ghost hunting with me and my friends. Do you believe in ghosts? And would you ever go on a ghost hunt? Hell no. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in ghost hunting. I do believe in spirituality. I do believe there's a a higher force than us as human beings that created this world that has dominion over this world. Um, I definitely believe in that. And the word I use there is spirit. And so I believe in that. But ghost, no. Right? But I believe in God. I believe that the devil exists. Tell you that much. And we see it in the actions of people out here in the real world every day. Moving on. At Don't Be Mascot. What's your favorite song ever? I can say this now because his sorry ass is in prison. Pedophile that he is. That's R. Kelly. The song dedicated. That's that's probably my favorite all time song. That and Adore by Prince. Okay. That was be my songs. Okay. Um, That's if, you know, slow jam, Adore. Dedicated because I think about my mother every time I listen to that song. My mother passed away in 2017. Y'all all know that story by now. Greatest woman I've ever known. And I feel that's exactly how I feel about her. Greatest woman I've ever known. So in that regard, now hip hop. I got to admit, Girls, Girls, Girls by Jay-Z. I, I mean, I thought that that was just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song by Jay-Z unreal all-time favorite but dedicated would be the answer to your direct question because I think about my mother often and that's what comes to my mind every time I hear that song at Mitch Kofsky writes should the 76ers trade Tobias Harris at the NBA trading deadline I would tell you it depends on what you can get for him I like Tobias Harris. I think he's an asset. And the way that the Nick Nurse has them playing with at a higher pace, combined with Embiid and Maxi Ball in the way that they do, I'd say keep him, but you need help with him. And I don't think you can get that help unless you're willing to trade him. And that's why I feel the way that I feel. It all depends on the asset that you can get. I got to get on out of here. It's a football Sunday. I hope y'all enjoyed this show. I'll be back with another show on Monday. But until then, um, we'll catch up. 
soon enough. Enjoy your football Sunday. The Cowboys are the better team. I know this, but inclement weather in Buffalo combined with Buffalo's desperation needing to win combined with the fact that Josh Allen has been balling all out, even though the Cowboys are the better team. I think that the Buffalo Bills have a chance to pull this out and escape by upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on their home turf in Orchard Park. That's all I wanted to say about that. See y'all tomorrow morning on First Takes on ESPN, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with my man Shannon Sharp, Club Shay Shay. Plus, I'll be back here on the Stephen A. Smith Show sometime tomorrow afternoon. Until then, peace and love, everybody. Talk to you later. 